You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 25. Well, hey there, Amy here. Happy Monday. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Happy and Healthy Podcast. And while the reopening of schools is a really hot topic this past week, and I know a lot of parents are looking forward to this happening. So obviously we want the kids to be safe, but well, we're social creatures, and yet we also need alone time. So, which brings me to a funny post I saw the other day. It reads, my wife accused me of being immature. I told her to get out of my fort. (laughs) So if you found yourself hiding in the bathroom just for some alone time, I completely understand. Anyways, today I want to talk about the great mask debate and what happens when we ask factual questions, ones that look for information, simple right or wrong answers, yes and no answers, and ones that really are unsatisfied when the answer is it depends or I don't know. So the question I keep hearing people ask is, should I wear a mask? And that we're asking this question in its many forms is one of the biggest, most costly mistakes that we're making in responding to this pandemic. And it's preventing us from not only taking steps to slow the spread, but it's also actually ignoring what additional measures we could be taking as citizens to reduce hospitalizations, the long recoveries for so many, lowering the death rate, and especially protecting the more vulnerable at-risk populations. So let me explain. In attempting to answer this question, should I wear a mask? It's usually rephrased as a two-part question. So part one is, do masks protect the people wearing them? So first, let's be clear about which kind of mask we're referring to. There are the N95 masks that filter out 95% of airborne particles, hence the 95. And then there are surgical masks and then the cloth masks, which are also being referred to as face coverings. So hands down, to protect yourself from contracting COVID-19, using a properly fitted N95 mask is the best way to do it if you're going to be in close proximity with others. And really, that's what these masks were designed and intended to do. So you got to note, it has to be properly fitted. So a tight face fit will force the air that you're breathing in in and out to come through the mask material. So it's like the mask you wear when you go scuba diving or snorkeling. It it needs to have a good seal. So 
Surgical masks obviously don't provide the seal that N95 masks offer. And they don't have the electrostatic charge found in N95s, which also traps the viruses. But with multiple layers in the material that is used, they still offer significantly more protection to respiratory virus infections than, say, cloth ones. And that's why it's essential to leave these to our healthcare workers and the medical first responders, right? Because they're they're in environments where they're constantly exposed to the virus, both in terms of the concentration of the virus in the air and really the length of time that they're exposed. And well, here is where we go down the rabbit hole. Because then the next question is, so what about cloth masks? Well, to answer this question, we really need to understand how COVID-19 is transmitted. So back in January, February, and March, given that there was already community spread, right, especially by the time March rolled around, there was a lot of focus on droplets landing on surfaces. So that's why people were leaving their mail outside for days at a time and wiping down their groceries. And why at that time, wearing cloth masks made sense so we could protect ourselves from droplets. But you got to remember, this is a new virus. It's important for us to be able to distinguish between what we know for sure from educated guesses, opinions, predictions, and wishful thinking. So now we know for sure that people who are infected but showing no symptoms or asymptomatic are highly contagious. And over the last few months, there is growing evidence that it's not just droplets, right? So it's not the droplets that are produced when you happen to cough or sneeze. Those smaller droplets that we worried about were being produced and surviving for a long time. It's also aerosols. So tiny particles that can float in the air rather than those small droplets that will fall fairly quickly. These particles, the aerosols, are produced when we breathe and talk. So in this case, cloth masks or face coverings don't really provide much protection to the person wearing them. Again, if the virus is an aerosol form, if that's the mode of transmission, then cloth masks or face coverings don't really provide much protection to the person wearing them. And I think this is really where the great mask debate started. So if wearing a mask doesn't protect me from getting sick, why bother? Right? Do you see how disempowering the question is? And well, to answer it, we go to part two of their original question, should I wear a mask? Which is, do masks protect the people around the person wearing the mask? Well, if the virus transmission is primarily due to droplets, then by wearing a cloth mask, you are 
absolutely preventing droplets from spreading. So yes, but if the spread is primarily due to aerosols, then probably not. So at this point in time, we actually still do not know what the primary mode of transmission is. So wearing one still makes sense. There's evidence that both are true. But this isn't just about transmission either. Wearing a mask also sends a signal to others that you care about them, that you don't want them to feel uncomfortable. And it can serve as a reminder that we need to keep our distance, especially when we're indoors where ventilation is a big factor. So another statement or question that I'm hearing because masks, these cloth masks aren't proven to be effective is, isn't the mandate to wear a mask infringing on my freedom? So look, as a former small business owner of a brick and mortar facility, when you're a customer, you're on private property. So for those of you who are insisting that wearing a mask cannot be mandated or enforced, you really need to make a distinction between private and public spaces. So when you enter a store or private property like Costco, Walmart, Target, Disney World, or your favorite restaurant or bar, if the local or state government is mandating the wearing of face coverings and maintaining physical distances, As a business, right, with our business license, we can be fined or have our license revoked. So if we're not complying with a public health mandate, it absolutely can be enforced. And when you think about public health, we also have rules like no shirt, no shoes, no service. So all you got to do is add no mask to that. But really, lest we go down another rabbit hole... This really isn't about whether or not mandating the wearing of masks is constitutional, right? This is supposed to be about taking the appropriate steps to slow the spread and taking measures to reduce hospitalizations and lower the death rate, especially with the more vulnerable at-risk populations. So for example, if you do test positive, the local government can absolutely order you to isolate for a designated period of time. And as you well know, not doing so isn't just about public health. It's also the impact on our economy with jobs lost and so many business owners stressed and struggling and so many businesses actually closing too. And that's in addition to the toll it's taking on kids when they can't go to school to learn and socialize and the strain on the parental units, right? The list goes on. So we really have to start asking better questions. And better questions are investigative in nature. They're genuinely curious ones. They empower us by helping us align our actions with the outcomes that we desire. So 
in this case, a better question is, what are ways or how can I protect myself and my loved ones from the negative consequences of contracting COVID-19? Well, to answer that question, right, first, to protect yourself from contracting the virus, from everything I've read and watched, it's to minimize your contact with people you don't live with and to maintain that minimum six feet between you and others, especially if you're not outdoors where we have the benefit of dilution. So that distance is your best protection. And then there's washing your hands, avoiding touching your face, and wearing a cloth mask because they can help reduce the spread of droplets. And it sends a signal to others that you're taking this pandemic seriously. And again, it serves as a reminder to everyone to keep their distance. Now, again, we can't control the outcome. So especially given how much it's spreading right now, if you did contract COVID-19, now the best way to protect yourself from the negative consequences is to support your immune system. And that means eating nutrient-dense foods, staying hydrated, maintaining a healthy weight, managing your stress, getting outside, being active and exercising regularly, and getting enough sleep. So in the last episode, I promised that in this one, I would walk you through how to frame better questions. So for lasting weight loss, questions like, what's the best diet? When is the best time to start? Or what's better for weight loss, cardio or strength training? You see how those are all factual questions. They're looking for very short answers. If you catch yourself asking these questions, why can't I figure this out? Or what's wrong with me? I want you to pause. And then I want you to look for questions that meet the following criteria. They are based on the premise that for this problem, there is actually a solution. Questions that help to clearly define the problem. Questions that focus on describing the facts rather than focusing on opinions or predictions like what's wrong with me, right? Questions that look for solutions. Questions that keep the end in mind. So include your intention and your why. Questions that focus on what you can control, what actions you can take, and creating conditions versus forcing outcomes. So the key to this is to use questions that start with how or what can I do today? So if you catch yourself asking the question, why bother? I want you to literally pause and then ask yourself, what's a better question? So to help make weight loss inevitable, when I say I want you to ask questions that are based on the premise 
that for this problem there is a solution. It might take the form of knowing the five key habits. What is one small step I can take today to make weight loss easy and inevitable? So when I say questions that help to clearly define the problem, one of the best examples of this is from the movie The Hunt for Red October. So in the movie, the Soviet Union's most senior submarine captain was Captain Ramius, and he takes their newest sub and heads for the U.S. because he wants to defect. So Jack Ryan is a CIA analyst that is convinced this sub is coming not to attack the U.S., but rather because the captain wants to defect, okay? So, but he doesn't want the crew to know his intentions. Anyway, in one scene, Jack Ryan asks himself... So how is he going to get the crew off the sub? By he, I'm talking about Captain Ramius, right? They have to want to get off. How do you get a crew to want to get off a submarine? How do you get a crew to want to get off a nuclear submarine? Ah, so it was his eureka moment from clearly defining the problem. So for weight loss, your question could be, what do I need to do so that I eat at least two servings of fruits and or vegetables for breakfast, two for lunch, and then one for dinner? See, it's clearly defining the problem. So questions that focus on facts and actions are better than the ones that surround opinions or fear-based predictions. Note that the following questions are all fear-based predictions or opinions. Why can't I figure this out? What's wrong with me? Why isn't this working? What if I can't stop at just one cookie? And why bother? I want you to ask questions that look for solutions. Ones that literally start with, how do I? Or, what can I do today? So, what can I do today to drink half my body weight in ounces of water? Or, to eat five servings of fruits and vegetables? What can I do today to make sure I have at least the opportunity to get seven to nine hours of sleep? What can I do today to make sure that I get 30 minutes of mindful movement? What can I do today to get 10 to 20 minutes of meditation in? So if the answer to your question, what can I do today to make weight loss inevitable, is to create a plan to achieve one of the five key habits that I just listed and you would like some help with that, then sign up for my free three-day course at moxie-club.com slash ready. And I'll share with you my top three tips 
along with a great planner to help you out. So I'll wrap things up today with a quote by Marie Curie. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com. And sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.